0: Well, here we are at the end of another year. Can you believe it? So the question is, has it been a good year for you, or is it a year that you are looking forward to ending? I'm sure you've all heard the saying, if if and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. (laughs) Well, that's a modern twist on a much older proverb that dates back to the 19th century that says, if if and and were pots and pans, there'd be no work for tinkers' hands. Now, both versions are used as a response to someone expressing regret. If this would have happened, or if that would have happened, uh, well, then I'd be on top of the world. If, if, I-F, possibly the biggest little word in the English language. If is a word that can have huge impl- implications because, because the regrets and the remorse of the human race throughout all of history can be heard in the echo of this one small word, if, I-F. And most of the time, the word if is a ghost from our past that haunts our present and frightens our future. It can contain a world of sorrow when bitter memories are confined in this small word because it conceals hope. And it reduces us to nothing but a bitter, complaining, blaming coward that's living with regrets. If only I had done this, if only I had done that, things would be rosy. If can be a word that holds a person jailed in their past mistakes and their past sins and bad decisions and bad breaks. The addict says, if I just hadn't taken that first drink person dying of cancer says, if I just hadn't smoked my first cigarette. The teenager who is out of, whose future is out of control cries out, if I just listened to my parents. Folks, listen to me. Living with regrets is a miserable way, a miserable way to live. There' are a cloud from your yesterday that's raining on your today and threatening your tomorrow with storms that can seem insurmountable. But friend, I want you to know that this is where Jesus Christ and his gospel shines the brightest. Because what a person's own mind cannot overcome when society won't give you a second chance, Jesus Christ, through his shed blood on Calvary, can offer a place of beginning again. And he can erase the word if from your vocabulary, and he can make your, worth, your life worth living again if you'll let him take control of your life. Friend, listen to me. Jesus brings hope to the hopeless and gives us faith not only for the present, but also it gives us faith for our future. Jesus is the one who can change our life. No matter how bad your year's been or what you have or haven't done, the forgiveness and the mercy of God can erase all of your regrets, and you can see 2019, as God sees it, a year of victory. And so here we are on this last Sunday of 2018. So as we leave 2018, we're going to look forward into next year. We're going to look back, and we're going to remember. We're going to look up. We're going to give God glory. And we're going to look ahead to what God wants to do, not only in our lives, but in this church. Because I want you to know, as a church, I want 2019 to be the greatest year we have ever had. (laughs) Amen? But more importantly, I want 2019 to be the greatest year that you have ever had. And to make that happen, God has a plan, a special plan for each and every one of us. So to begin, you might be thinking, well, I sure don't want to remember 2018. It was a horrible year. Well, remember, we're not going to remember the ifs. We're not going to remember what might have been. We're going to look at the 103rd Psalm. And David begins by saying, "'Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name.'" And then he says, "'And forget not all of his benefits.'" David is telling himself to bless the Lord, and the way to do that is never forget his blessings.'" In other words, look back, reflect on what God has done for you. And then David begins to list all of those benefits. He forgives all of our iniquities. He heals our disease. He redeems our life from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Remembering the goodness of God is vitally important, and I'll even say it's even healthy for you. If you look in the Old Testament, when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, they set up stones as a memorial. The Bible is full of times when memorials are set up as monuments of reflection that causes us to remember what God has done for us. And so what I would like for you to do is to challenge you as we begin this new year to begin to write down your prayer request. Write them down and keep them. Make a list so that you can remember the things that you've prayed for. Because I think by faith you're going to be amazed at how many of those those things you'll be able to actually check off. But what do we do? Well, something comes up. We go before God with a heavy heart. We beg. We plead. We pray. We ask God to intervene. And then when he doesn't answer like a genie on the spot, we move on with our lives. And then when God does answer our prayer, we've gotten infatuated with something else, and we've moved ahead. And so it can be time, if ever, that we look back to see what we prayed about back last week or last month. And we don't ever think, wow, you know what? God really answered that prayer. A lot of things get worked out in our life that God doesn't get the credit and the praise for because we've forgotten what we've asked him for. We need to remember what he's done so we can establish a memorial to remember his blessings. You see, because when you stop long enough to look back and see what God has done for us in the past, we get a bigger idea of who our God is, and it builds our faith to believe God and to fully trust him with our future. If we realize he was there for us last year, we are able to hold on to the fact that he's going to be for us next year. And that's why he instructs his children to build memorials along the way. Why? Because forgetfulness and faithlessness go hand in hand. Did you get that? Forgetfulness and faithlessness go together. When we forget what God has done in our past, we start looking at all the things that we don't have instead of all the things that we do have. That's a dangerous place to be. So God calls us to look back and remember the monuments of greatness and the blessings that he has established in our life. And so we we need to look back. And we need to take time to celebrate what God has done in our life. Now, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to look up. We're going to look up at the glory of God, the majesty, the glory of God. You know, we'll say, come on, let's give the Lord glory. Let's give glory to the name of Jesus. Now, if you want a quick definition of what the glory of God means, it means to enhance God's reputation. Or another definition is to make God's name famous. So what that means is you and I, we give glory to God by the way that we live our life. We give glory to God by the way that we worship. We give glory to God by the way we treat our family and our friends. We should be enhancing his reputation, whether at work, whether at home, whether at church, or even if we're at a ball game. Our job as a believer in Jesus Christ is to bring glory to God, to enhance his reputation, and to make his name famous. Psalms 115 says, not unto us, but to your name, God, we give glory. And then Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8 says, I am the Lord, and I will not give my glory to another. In other words, God is saying that his glory is so significant, his glory is so special that I refuse to share it with anyone. Friend, listen, God is jealous of his glory. He doesn't let man or organizations or institutions take his glory. He doesn't allow it to be put on anything or anyone else. And so when we begin to place glory on something else, we're putting emphasis in the wrong place because the glory literally means weight. God's glory is the weight of God's presence. And when we give weight of glory to something else, we put importance on that leader. We put importance on that church, or we put importance on ourselves. When we give the weight of glory to something else besides God, we are on thin ice, folks, because He will not share His glory with anything. Now, some have described the glory of God as an outward expression of all He is in our lives. And so to express. God's glory is to let him live out loud in us, in our lives. In other words, we make the invisible God visible when we show off his love, his grace, his holiness, his justice, his compassion in the way that we live our everyday life, in the way that we treat our fellow man. So giving God glory is about sharing and telling and exhibiting by the way we live that God is really real in this world. When you forgive someone that everyone thinks you should never forgive, maybe your spouse walked out on you, or a business partner stole money from you, or someone has mistreated you. And listen, when you choose to forgive someone that the world thinks is unforgivable, the glory of God begins to radiate out of you because people understand that that's not human. And so when we live and act like Jesus in front of people, we give him glory. And that allows the attention to go to our Lord. And so let me ask you a question Do you want to give glory to God? I guess not. I do. I want to give glory to God. Well, since you're so excited and ask, I'll tell you how we can do it. In 2019 let's redeem what it means to be a Christian. Let's redeem what it actually means to be a Christian. You know, in the beginning of the early church, the name Christian used to be a derogatory term. But then over time, it turned into an honorable term. Well, now again, in our culture, there are so many that wear the name but don't live the life that it has almost become a dishonorable thing again because there's not a lot of substance to it. If you say I'm a Christian in the business world, a lot of time the next thought is, well, great, are you going to try to cheat me like the last Christian did? You You see athletes, the role model of our day, going out on the field, crossing themselves or doing this and all that kind of stuff. And then if you follow their life, it's not a life that brings honor to Christ. But that's not the famous. It's those of us who claim to be Christians. We come to church, but does our life exemplify the life of Christ? If they were to follow us around and do reality TV on our life, how big a witness would we actually be for our Lord and Savior? So many people have surrounded themselves with so much hypocrisy that they have eroded what it means to be a Christian. And so I want you to know the greatest glory that we could give back to God, the greatest glory we could give to his name would be to learn to live the life that Jesus wants through us and as a result redeem his name. Folks, as we approach this new year, we can't control what happens around us, but we can ask the Holy Spirit to direct our lives and our thoughts and our words and our actions in such a way that when people do watch us, when they follow our steps, that we are in fact bringing glory to Jesus because we are recapturing the dignity of what it means to be a genuine Christ follower and giving God his true glory. This year as we grow in the Lord, we want to become an authentic Christ follower. And in that, our view of God will grow and we'll be able to help other people's view of God grow as we live our life out loud for Him and His glory. And now we've looked back, we've said thank you, we've looked up, we've given God credit by giving His name glory but now we need to look ahead you know it's easy just to do the same thing it's easy just to move on to next year turn the calendar on the first and keep the status quo but what if your 2018 was a year of regrets and sorrows and full of ifs I mean you sure don't want to repeat that again and maybe 2018 was a great year for you. But even if it was the greatest year you have ever had, don't you want 2019 to even be better? Yeah. And so as we move forward, we need to evaluate our relationship with God. To have spiritual growth for a better new year, we need to throw out what didn't work and enhance what did work. Because like life is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And so how do we run this race in such a way that we finish the race? Well, I want you to know the two greatest enemies that you're going to face in 2019 is one, you're going to face the devil. The devil is a real entity. He is alive and he is well, and he wants nothing more than to destroy your life. And you're going to be facing him this year. And then you're also going to be facing spiritual atrophy. Now, atrophy is when we don't flex and use our muscles. And when we don't flex our muscles, we lose our muscle. It's the ultimate use it or lose it type scenario. Well, if you don't use your spiritual muscle, you're going to lose your spiritual muscle. And so how do we keep that from happening? Well, King Solomon gives some great wisdom in Proverbs chapter 3. He says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. He's saying it's not about external rules it's not about religiosity it's not about just trying hard but this race is about faith it's about truth it's about trusting in god it's about being honest and when you discover that your god is a compassionate father who understands but also who is a holy god who will cleanse and forgive who will pick you up and he will transform you by the renewing of your mind now verse five says trust in the lord with all your heart And lean not into your own understanding. Folks, listen to me. This is a lifestyle. It's not a single event. It's not something that occurs once a week. He said, think about God in all your ways. Not just on Sunday morning. In all your ways. In other words, live your life before God. And if you do, he will direct your path. God will lead you. God will direct your career. He'll direct your marriage. If you're single, he'll direct you in being single. He'll direct you in parenting your children. He'll direct you with your finances. If we will trust in the Lord, if we will walk by faith, and we will serve him with our very best, spiritual atrophy will not take a hold of us. Now, most of us are familiar with weight loss programs, especially this time of year right? How many have already got yours picked out for January 1? Okay. Okay. Well, we have one Christian here. One honest person. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey. So conviction spreading across the room. (laughs) Conviction's coming through. We're going to have an altar call in just a minute. I'm just being silly, but certainly we're familiar with weight loss programs. And you know, we all know how it works. We get a bad report from the doctor, or it's New Year's, and we make a New Year's resolution. We need to shed a few pounds, get rid of some of the cheesecake get from the Christmas parties. Or a lot of times, the main reason we're just simply out of clothes that fit us anymore. Hey, right, there you go. You can only hide it so long, right, Benny? And so whether it's Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or an aggressive exercise program, we start down the path of losing weight. And most of the time, because we've changed up our regimen, what happens? We see some results. The scale looks better, and so do we. But what happens? We get tired of eating cardboard and grass, (laughs) right? It gets old not having our taste buds stimulated. The strenuous workout gets boring. And so we fall off the wagon and we put the pounds back on. Well, folks, the exact same thing happens when we don't take some personal initiative for our own spiritual growth. And consequently, we never mature spiritually. You need to realize it is not the church's responsibility to make you grow spiritually. I can serve up a tasty meal, but you're the one who has to chew it and meditate on it. It is not your spouse's job to make you grow spiritually. It is not your parents' job to make you grow spiritually. When you stand before God, you and you alone are going to be responsible for your own spiritual growth in 2019. It's the same as people abandoning the weight loss program. They get out of the structure, they stop seeing results, and atrophy occurs. And they go back to their own patterns. It's not healthy, and it's not healthy spiritually. So as we face a new year and strive to go closer to God, we need to remember that we have a fight on our hands against Satan, but not only against Satan, but against our own flesh. Let's not go back to the way that we have been doing things. Let's move forward and do something different this year. And Looking forward, we have to take some responsibility for our own spiritual growth and begin the process. We need to get in his word. We need to pray. We need to stay in church. You say, well, pastor, I mean, that's too simple. That's too easy. Do you realize you would be shocked at how many believers have been saved 20 or 30 years but still don't have a daily prayer life? That don't get into God's word every day, who aren't constant in their relationship with the Heavenly Father. And folks, if we don't do those things, we will never maintain the transformation that God wants to do in our lives in 2019. So let me give you a little crutch, something to remember that will help us have a successful new year. And it's the initials B-I-O, the prefix bio. B-I-O. Now the prefix bio means life. Biology is the study of life. But we're going to use bio for our own purposes in growing in the Lord. And I want you to understand what the B stands for. If you want to maintain and progress in what God wants to do in your life, you need to go before God every day. The B is before God every day. You need to have a daily time for a relationship and a conversation with God. And that relationship is not just talking, but it's also listening. We need to find some place where we can go before God and be in his presence. Because listen, we are just like rechargeable batteries. If we don't stay plugged into the source, we're going to lose our charge. And a lot of people wonder why they're dead spiritually and where God went. But God is saying, I haven't gone anywhere. I've been here the whole time. You just haven't come and plugged in lately. If you want life, you want bio you have to be before god every day the i in bio stands for in community in community you've got to be in relationship with other believers because spiritual life is done in community there aren't supposed to be any lone ranger christians even though lone ranger had tonto we need somebody now, I know there are people out there that say, I don't need anyone else. I don't need the church. I don't need other believers. But to live a biblical Christian life, you can't do it without being in community with other believers, and that means being faithful in your church attendance. That's why the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You don't have to look very hard to see that the day is approaching. More than ever, we need to make sure that our commitment is sure and stay in community with other believers of like-minded, precious faith. Then the O of BIO is for on mission. On mission. Before God every day, in community, on a regular basis, and then on mission. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, everywhere you are, with everyone you're with, you are an ambassador for God. Do you realize that? You are an ambassador for Almighty God. Friend, we are heaven's marketing department. We are God's PR agents. We're we're his ambassadors. Do you realize that the world's perception of who Jesus Christ is, is what they see in you? How does that make you feel? So much of the world, all they see of Jesus is what they see in you. You go to work, you say you're a Christian. And so when people see you, that's their perception of what Jesus is. So it's important to be on mission 24-7. Don't wait for the church to come up with a program to give you a reason to act like a Christian. I believe if Christians simply started acting like Christians, we would see the world changed. I honestly believe we could lose all the preachers, we could lose all the churches with all the sound systems and the lights and our fancy programs, and if Christians would just simply start acting like Christians, the world would be a different place. The reason why I know that is because it's happening around the world. In other places, there are no buildings, there aren't any famous preachers, there's not any money. There's simply an underground church meeting and risking their lives. Yep. And the underground church around the world is growing by millions annually without all of the frills because Christians are acting like Christians even when it's not easy. But here in the U.S. where we have the greatest freedom and all the bells and whistles, we think we're doing God a huge favor if we make it twice a month and bless him with our nose and our nickel. But friend, I want you to know we can change our homes. We can change our places of work. We can even change this world if we will just live life before God every day in community on a regular basis and on mission 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter where we are. And if we will do that in 2019, we won't have to live our life under the cloud of if. Friend, if your year in review is headlined by regret, remorse, and disappointment, I want you to know that 2019 can not only be a new year, but a new beginning. And it can happen through Jesus Christ. Listen, Simon Peter, Peter miserably failed Jesus by denying him. We all know that story. Peter could have lived with that regret the rest of his life, but Jesus loved him and called him and forgave him. The Apostle Paul could have come to the end of a wasted life facing eternity and said, if I hadn't murdered all of those Christians, if I hadn't tried to destroy the church of Jesus, things could have been different perhaps. But on the Damascus Road, Paul met the man he persecuted and Jesus changed his life. How could Paul forget killing those Christians? How could Paul ever live with himself? It's because God forgave him and God forgot it. And so Paul was able to say, I'm going to forget those things which are behind because I am a new creation in Christ and I am going forward. And friend, you can too. God wants to do the very same thing for you today. And on this last Sunday of 2018, God is offering you a place of new beginnings and a place to start over again.